When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. As always, Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. Make sure you are downloading and subscribing wherever you get your Blue Horseshoe Podcast. You have a lot of content coming your way, especially with today's show. Another loaded show, George. We have four finalists, or I should say at least four uh, head coach candidates getting second interviews. It's reported that the list should grow to seven, which you would assume by that point that there are a few coordinators left in the NFC and Asian title games that will get requests thrown their way after either the season ends uh, or if they're at least this weekend. So that list uh, should grow. We do have at least four there right now. I think there's also, speaking of the AFC and the NFC title games, an interesting point the Colts have to look at is four teams remaining. A lot of them have a common thread that, if you're the Colts and a Colts fan, you're hoping that the direction that they kind of go forward. These four teams, a lot of them do provide a good blueprint for the Colts to follow here in what is an extremely, extremely pivotal offseason. But, George, I really can't believe we're starting the pod with this, and I really hate myself for asking this question, but I feel like we have no choice but to start here and ask this question. Is Jeff Saturday a legitimate head coach candidate? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, he has been all along. We know he's got one fan, right? Uh, and that one fan is the guy who ultimately holds the power here. So, yeah, you know, until Jim Ursay is no longer in his corner, he's absolutely a legitimate candidate. Now, I think the question that, that we don't have answered is, you know, is Jim Ursay as strong in his opinion today as he was on November 7th when he overrode basically everybody in his inner circle and made Jeff Saturday the interim coach. You know, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I've said all along, uh, this will probably be like the 30th time I've said it on here. If you wanted him to be the full-time head coach, if that was the ultimate goal, he never should have been hired in November. And, you know, Chris Ballard kind of hinted at that in his postseason presser when, when he was, you know, in front of the media. And he said the reason that he didn't want to hire Saturday in November was that he understood the challenge that, 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 stood ahead you know i think no matter what ideas jim ursay hadn't it's obvious from his demeanor at the press conference that he thought saturday was going to turn this season around and and it was going to be you know if not a playoff year certainly something that they felt really good building off momentum going into the offseason i don't he was he was an army of one in, in that belief you know i think everybody else thought it was going to be something similar to what it was two and six one and seven something along those lines uh, I know you could predict how horrible some of those losses were going to end up being, but the one in seven record and the seven straight losses was not shocking. You know, it, it wasn't an unlikely outcome. Let's put it that way. Um, but, you know, we'd heard during that stretch that whole time that Ursay was still, you know, wanting Jeff Saturday to be the head coach. So, yeah, I mean, as long as he is, that's all it takes, right? I mean, in this league, that, that's all it takes. As long as you've got one of the 32 owners on your side, you're a legitimate candidate for whatever job it is you're looking for. 
I get he's getting uh, getting a second interview. I get some of the national reports out there. I will say this, George. To me, there is zero chance he's getting the job. I still made steadfast in that there is no chance he's getting the job here. And I'll tell you for one reason, but I just want to make sure at least my facts are correct before I give you my reasoning. So let me just so in case anyone's confused, at least even for me too, because I know this has been a, a kind of long process. There's not a lot been leaked out. So this is my belief. You could tell me if I'm, I'm right or wrong here, George, and what you've been hearing and what you've been reporting as well. So the first round of interviews was Chris Ballard driven. He's the one who was picking out the candidates. He was the one doing the interviews. Now that we have round number two with, again, at least four guys, or if you want to call them finalists or four candidates getting second round interviews, now this is the time. This is the first time, correct, that Jim Merced will be in these meetings hearing correct. what the candidates have to say, right? So he's not there the right. first time. Okay. Yeah. That is – I'm just – to confirm that, I'm glad you said that because, for me, that's still why I think there's a 0% chance because – Look, Jim Mercer can have this idea of Jeff Saturday in his mind. And like I said, he can just pretend that the results don't matter. The one in seven didn't happen or not his fault, whatever. Now that you're in the room, now that Jim Mercer is not only hearing what Jeff Saturday's plan is, he's now going to be able with his own ears to compare Jeff Saturday's plan to everyone else's plan. The other six or seven candidates, they're going to interview along with Jeff Saturday and see where his plan stacks up compared to what everyone else's plan stacks up. And we have on this podcast, George, no hyperbole, probably given at least 75 different reasons why Jeff Sider should not be the head coach. I will give you 76, and maybe I've even said this before, so maybe it's just a repeat, but I think now this is more relevant than ever. Now that Jim Ursay can actually hear for the first time a true plan, a true vision of Jeff Saturday, one of the reasons why I think there's no chance he's getting hired is because I don't see how Jeff Saturday can convince Jim Ursay of his plan with basically the worst staff you could put together. I don't see how Jeff Sider is going to put together a staff that Jim Ursay can believe in. Because whether it was, you know, coaches leaving beforehand, whether it was, you know, we just latest, we saw Kevin Mawai leave to go be a high school coach, take over what Trent Dilfer was coaching. I mean, he was, what, offensive, offensive, I know he's an assistant offensive line coach. wasn't exactly the guy, but you're on an NFL staff. He's going to take a head coaching job at high school. And you would assume, maybe I'm wrong, you would assume that he was on the staff now. Maybe Jeff Saturday would have kept him. I don't know. But either way, he kind of saw the writing on the wall one way or another and said, this is not a guy I can believe in. I'm going to go coach high school in order to kind of, you know, get my footing going forward here. We know Clayton Adams left in season. Go take a college job. So you were seeing now coaches abandoning ship as fast as possible with Jeff Saturday, we'll say, quote, unquote, being in the mix. Are you really going to sell Jim Mercer on Parks Frazier being your offensive coordinator now going forward? Like, is Gus Bradley going to stay as your defense coordinator? Probably not. So it's just like, I don't see how Jeff Saturday could sit in a room with Jim Mercer. And even though Jim Mercer loves Jeff Saturday, as we know, he, I don't see how Jim Mercer can be convinced of Jeff Saturday's vision when you have a staff that's going to, he's going to try to compile that it's going to be nowhere near the level it should be because no one believes in Jeff Saturday, the coach. And they realize if I hitch my wagon to Jeff Saturday, that is basically going aboard the Titanic and my at least short-term career sink. So I don't see that's for me. Another reason why I don't see how if you're Jim Mercer, you could seriously consider or seriously, I guess, make the decision in the end of making Jeff Saturday your head coach permanently. Yeah. Uh, the staff situation is a huge component here. And I think even a lot of these national reports that, that have been coming out that continue to say that, you know, Saturday is the front runner or he's Ursay's favorite or or whatever version it happens to be in, in that particular report. Uh, they all have most of them have mentioned the need for him to put together a good staff, that that's kind of the, the piece that would put him over the top. And I think it was always going to be a challenge to begin with. Even in a perfect scenario, it was going to be a really tough situation. We talked about that before. He just doesn't have the history. You know, a lot of these guys, 
that they're interviewing, Raheem Morris has worked, what, four or five different places, has countless connections as a result of that. Guys he's worked with, but also, you know, their trees. He's, he's a guy, he could call up any number of people right now and probably get 14 people who he could call for any one of these positions. You know, name a coordinator job, a, a position job, whatever. Raheem Morris probably has an endless Rolodex of guys to call and who he's got either direct contact with or who he's got, you know, indirect contact with or who just know who he is and want to join him because of what he's done in the league. The same is true of Dan Quinn. The same is even true of, of Jero Evero, who's, you know, a younger guy uh, from the guys that we know, probably the youngest of them. And outside of Saturday, the least experienced, he's only been a coordinator, I think this year. Yeah. Um, one year. But, you know, he's still been in the league a while. He's been around a lot of guys. He has a lot more connections. For Saturday, just, you know, connecting dots is what we do, right? Especially this time of year. That's your whole business. The only way that you can even think of guys that, that Saturday would have connection to, guys that he played for, you know, or played with. I mean, that that's really where his network is right now. People who were on the Colts or the Packers from, what, 98 to 2012, <laughs> Uh, and people who coach the Colts or Packers from 98 to 2012. It's just a smaller pool to begin with. And then on top of that, you're looking at a situation where a couple of them have been filled. I know our producer is really happy about one that was filled today, but we won't get into that. But you know, at the start of this offseason, there were 10 offensive coordinator spots open um, as well. So, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline a third of the league is, is looking for an offense coordinator that puts them in an even tougher spot uh, because of what you said. I mean, if you're looking at this as you know, it's your career, are you going to hit your wagon to Jeff Saturday? It. I don't think there's a lot of coaches are going to make that choice on top of the fact that a lot of them are angry about the fact that he skipped the line. You know, a lot of these guys won't want to go there because they feel like he didn't come up the, the quote unquote right way. You know, he didn't do it as a position coach. He didn't do it as a coordinator. He just walked in as the head coach on day one. Uh, that's still, there's still a lot of lingering bad feelings out there in the coaching community about that that I'm sure will affect his ability to put together a staff. Um, the other thing I think, you know, if, if we need reason 77, there'll be no honeymoon period here. You know, most of these new coaches that get hired this offseason, if they struggle early, there's at least a little bit of a honeymoon period. There's, Hey, let's wait. Let's see what's going on. They're new in the job. You know, what happens? That grace period already happened for Jeff Saturday. He went one and seven during it. If he's the higher, the Colts, if they struggle in the first quarter of the first preseason game, there's going to be, oh, yeah. you know, incredibly loud outcries here. It's There is zero margin for error. There is zero honeymoon period. And I think that's, for me, putting a rookie quarterback into a situation like that is a recipe for disaster. But all these things that we're talking about are logic. And the fear is that that's not how Jim Mercy is operating. It certainly wasn't how he was operating in November. You know, he's had some time, some time to decompress. Like you said, he's going to be sitting in on these other interviews. 
but hopefully logic wins out here. There, there's no case that you can make for Jeff Saturday that's based in reality. It's as I said, you know, I think from the day of the season end, his case is one thing. Jim Irsay loves him. That's it. That just sparked a thought, actually. Let, let me run this by you, George. Let me get your thoughts here. I, I'll be honest. And again, this is a shame on me for, again, buying into logic more than just Jim Mercer's brain winning out and just had his affection and love for former players, including Jeff Saturday. I didn't think Jeff Saturday was going to get a second interview because the first interview, obviously, is done by Chris Ballard. Again, Jeff Saturday's only credentials for getting the job is he, you know, Jim Mercer loves him. So I thought, okay, there's going to be no second interview. Well, there is a second interview. Let me run this by you. Does that actually hurt Jeff Saturday? Like, if you are Jim Irsay, and again, the main reason why you want to hire him is because he's your friend, he's someone you like, he, he obviously is ignoring what happened the last eight games of the season. If that is just kind of, if you are, I guess, dreaming your head of whatever success in your mind, is, I guess Jeff Satter winning a Super Bowl at some point and thinking that he's going to resurrect this franchise, if that's what you think. Like, I think the more Jeff Saturday talks and presents his plan, like the more Jim Irsay has to have a cold water splash in his face and realize this ain't going to work. Again, we talked about the staff, like, to your point, like, when everyone, when everyone, and rightfully so, had their mega freak out when he was hired, yeah, you know, Bill Cower on CBS Today, crushing the Colts, crushing the hire, uh, Joe Thomas as well, like you said, it wasn't just former coaches, it was former players as well that, for the most part, everyone in the league took it as a sign of disrespect. So you're right, not only is it tough enough for people just to believe in Jeff Saturday after he goes 1-7, and seven, they didn't like him from the start, and now, too, when you have 10 offense corner positions open, and obviously you're going to need an offense coordinator for Jeff Saturday, the pool of candidates you're talking about, we're talking about bottom of the barrel here. Absolute bottom of the barrel. So I think the more Jeff Saturday actually talks, I wish I thought about this soon, but the more he talks to Jim Irsay, the more he presents a plan, I think the more reality is going to set in for Jim Irsay that I can't do this. Outside of outside of just, you know, we'll get into the, the petition here in a second, but outside of the fan reaction, but just actually nuts and bolts football, I think it's probably a good thing, actually, in terms of if not wanting to get him hired, that he's sitting down with your mercy and actually giving a plan that I don't think you could believe in. Again, it, it depends on how open-minded Jim Mercy is, though. I mean, it, is he coming into this uh, process in good faith? And is he looking at other people legitimately? Is he actually listening to plans? Is he trying to you know, move forward with that idea? Or is he coming into it with the idea of you know confirmation bias, of – Jeff Saturday is the guy, and I'm going to look for reasons to to support that. That's you know that's the unknowable part of this right now, and and I think that's what's going to determine it. If he's open minded, and he's going to let his general manager do his job, and he's going to listen to these guys and pick the best plan and the best candidate, then no, there's no way Jeff Saturday gets this job. But if he's come in here with the idea that it's Jeff Saturday's job, and somebody else has to convince him otherwise then there's a real chance Jeff Saturday gets the job because confirmation bias comes into play. And if you can believe that Jeff Saturday can come out of the TV booth and turn your team around and go to the playoffs in, in the final eight weeks of this season, which he absolutely did, then maybe you can believe that Dan Orlovsky or somebody can come out of this TV booth and be the offensive coordinator and, and you can win that way. I think that's, you know, the, the problem here is that we, we continue to apply reason. And if there was reason and logic at play, he wouldn't have gotten a second interview. He wouldn't have got a first interview. He would have shook Jim Mercy's hand after the season and said, hey, you know, thanks for the opportunity. And they would have moved on and, and, and we'd be looking at, you know, a totally different coaching search. There's to some extent, there hasn't been reason and logic. And we don't know if it will come into play at any point before this search is, is concluded. 
I am look whether it's Christina Anderson, whether it's Jordan Schultz, plenty of reports been out there about Jeff Saturday and and more about not even him, more about just the fact that Jim Mercer that is his guy, he's the number one candidate, and it seems like, and this is again pretty obvious, everyone else in the building and literally everyone else in the building saying no, 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 no. So it's one against a million, or one against everyone else, however you want to phrase it, with you know Jim Mercer being a one man army for Jeff Saturday. But again, I just go back to the fact that if you're in that interview room, which now Jim Mersey will be in. So now you cannot just live it in your fantasy world. You're living in reality, hearing the actual plan Jeff Saturday is speaking to you. And you're sitting there hearing the big plan is going to be Dan Orlovsky as offense coordinator, Marcus Spears as defensive coordinator. And that's going to be the, the solution here. Maybe Teddy Bruschi is linebacker coach, and that's going to be a solution for the Colts going forward here. And you have a guy on the other side of, of Brian Callahan, who's worked with Peyton Manning and now has worked with Joe Burrow and has a plan for defensive coordinator as well. And just has this, you know, has the evidence if, he, if the Bengals win and going back to back Super Bowls of success already. Again, I get it's very tough to read Jim Mercy. I just have a, even if I'm trying to separate logic from just Jim Mercy's thinking, I just don't see how he could sit there with a straight face, even in his fancy world, and say, yeah, let's go with plan A of Saturday, Orlovsky, and Spears over a guy that now has gone to two straight Super Bowls, has worked with Peyton Manning, a guy he loves, has worked with now Joe Burrow, a quarterback that everybody loves right now. I just I can't see how when everyone is already against you, Jim Rush is sitting there and defiantly saying, yeah, let's go with Saturday and that play. That, that Basically, the ESPN booth coming into our building and coaching our team is going to lead us to success. I, I there's no, I, I mean, there's either. definitely something to be said for that because I think the other the other element of this is, you know, the reports that keep coming out that that Saturday's at the top of Versailles of list. Of course he is. He hasn't talked to anybody else yet. And so I do think that that's, you know, there, there's an element here uh, in play of what you're talking about that's very real, even with all the other things we just discussed about how crazy the search has been and how crazy the idea that he's even a candidate is. Ursay has not been in any of the other interviews. And I think that's, you know, to your point, he's not going to be won over until he does sit down in, in the room with one of these guys. So, you know, those reports that, 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 Earth, you know, that Saturday's still at the top of Ursay's list, how would he not be? We know he was the guy coming into the offseason in Ursay's mind. Ursay hasn't talked to anybody else. Of course, he's still at the top of the list. The question is now, you know, as you're, as you have been pointing out, will he buy into to one of these other visions? There's no doubt the other three, four, five, however many this this ends up being, six, seven uh, candidates are going to have better staffs. They're going to have more that they can can rely on that's tangible, you know, results that they've had. I mean, even just using the three guys that we know for sure, Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris have done this before. You know, they've, they've been head coaches. One of them took a team to a Super Bowl. So they understand, you know, on a different level what that takes. And, and what the challenges are going to be. And even, you know, a guy like Ajero Evero, who is very new in the business, has been, you know, through a lot of ups and downs already, went through a tough year in Denver. Um, and I think he's going to have a better plan. He has a better idea. And again, he's got more connections. So I would think that these in-person interviews, on an objective level, the other guys are going to have better plans. They're going to be able to put together better staffs. That's the only way he's going to be won over. So I think that's kind of the point you're getting to, and, and there's no doubt about it. And I think that's why all the national reports to me, they're, they're, they don't matter right now because they're all, A, they're all saying the same thing, and B, they're, they're, we're dealing with a situation where nothing's changed because nothing could change. The only guy who's been interviewing these guys so far is Chris Ballard, 
we know Jim Irsay wanted Jeff Saturday to get this job. Again, how's that going to change until he starts talking to other candidates? Let's transition, George. Let's talk about some of those other candidates. And again, as always, make sure you download, subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you get your podcast. And George, if you like looking at us, we are on YouTube at Odyssey Sports. Now, every single episode will be live in podcast form, in audio form, and again, wherever you get your podcasts, but also in video form as well on YouTube. So make sure you check us out. If you like listening to us, I'm sure you will love watching us as well. So speaking of the other candidates, George, right? we have four uh, candidates right now that are set for second interviews. Jeff Saturday, as you record this on Thursday, had his second interview already on Wednesday. Dan Quinn will have a second interview this week. Raheem Morris as well, Rams defense coordinator, as you mentioned, and also a hero, Eva Avero. I apologize. A hero. I believe I said that right. I've tried. I've listened to it. I, I promise. If he's hired, I promise we'll get it right. But a hero, Evero, Broncos defense coordinator, as well as the three candidates that uh, outside of Saturday are Guarantee this right now, second uh, second interview request. We've also heard that list should grow to about six or seven. So then quick math there, about two or three extra, which, again, you believe would probably be Bengals OC, Brian Callahan, probably be uh, Eagles offense coordinator Shane Steichen. Really fast there, George, before we get to the, the, the second interviews for a second here, I just want to throw something really quick about you. D'Amico Ryans is a very interesting case because the Colts were supposed to interview him on Saturday morning. He canceled, and I – honestly think rightfully so to get ready for the playoff game against the Cowboys the next day. But because they did not get him in the building or at least get an interview done with D'Amico Ryans initially, the Colts now cannot interview or talk to D'Amico Ryans again until the 49ers season ends. So if they win this weekend, the earliest the Colts could have their first interview with D'Amico Ryans would be February 13th. If the and the 49ers win on Sunday and go to the Super Bowl. Look, we know, as you mentioned before, Chris Bauer's gotten burned one time already with, um, with, with waiting till the Super Bowl and Josh McDaniels backing out. I don't think it's going to happen with D'Amico Ryans. But I will say that's uh, – if they are waiting for D'Amico and waiting to the Super Bowl, I don't think that's a very good thing because you know that's what that tells me, George, is maybe they love D'Amico Ryans, think he's the number one guy. That's a risk because we don't know how D'Amico feels about the Colts and if that, that love is, you know, um, feeling back. But also, too, I think it also tells you they don't love any of the other candidates that they've, you know, that they've interviewed enough to hire them – over what could be a reach in D'Amico Ryan's. What, what's your thoughts on, again, his timeline? Because that's the only unique one here where it could be a while before they are and they are able to talk to him. Yeah, you know, I think it depends on what happens. I, I think if they win on Sunday, I think his candidacy will be over. You know, I think He's right out, now okay. there, there's not a big, I don't think there's a big risk in it at the moment because if, if you're saying, hey, we still want to talk to him, we want to put him in this group, we're trying to cast a net as wide as we can, uh, then there's no at this point there's there's no real harm in waiting till Sunday see how that game turns out if the Niners lose he's available you can bring him in you can talk to him you can add him into the mix if that goes well he could come back for a second interview uh, even later that week you know what I mean so True. I think it's really going to come down to that game at this point you know I don't know there's going to be I think our, our our Tuesday deadline's gone no matter what and I know I felt pretty strongly uh, that that there would be somebody in place by January 31st I don't think that's on the cards. Um, but I do think it's, you're not going to be February 13th either, you know? So, um, although I think I want to say Frank Reich's introductory press conference was Valentine's day uh, you know, to go back. It's, it's been a while, been five years, but, and that of course was due, you know, in large part because they had to wait, uh, for McDaniels through the super bowl and then he backed out. And so you had to restart the search. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be that long. And, and I really think, I think this weekend will determine it for Ryan's. Now, if 
the Niners win and they continue to say that they want to talk to him and they want to wait, then I think all those things you just said come into play. Right now, I don't know if they are. You know, he's right, a guy that right. they wanted to talk to and and he absolutely uh you know was was high enough on their list that they want to wait now. But I don't I guess that's the whole point. I don't know that waiting till Monday would be any kind of damage done to this search at this point. Let's continue the damage talk because you brought up a really interesting point when we were talking before the show when it comes to Jeff Saturday and, and again, a lot of the reports we hear, it's it's interesting because it's two things. Number one, anything you hear about Jeff Saturday is all national, right? It's no one on the beats, yourself. It's not any of the other great Colts beat reporters talking about Jeff Saturday's candidacy and Jim Rush's love for it. It's all been national reporters. Jordan Schultz uh, had one on Thursday morning. The latest one basically saying that, you know, Jim Mersey has Jeff Saturday number one on his list. He's going to be in the meetings now going forward, and he's going to hear Jeff Saturday's plan for his staff. Good luck with that. Justina Anderson on Wednesday had a report basically similar. A lot of the natural reports, George, or, or any report I should say about Jeff Saturday has been from a national reporter, and basically all saying the same thing, that Jim Mersey has Jeff Saturday at number one. And you mentioned it before, and I think you're right here. It's not a shock, right? That's just what we, what everyone's been talking about. It's part of the reason why he was hired in the first place eight games ago, uh, because Jeff Saturday has a, a special place in Jim Mersey's heart. So when you kind of hear the same, like, I guess it's, it's we really can't overreact to a lot of national reports because they're really not saying much in terms of that's different than we already knew. But you brought up an interesting point of this. We have not heard really anything from the cult search in general. The only thing that we could concretely say outside of Jeff Saturday, has been that the, the first interview with Raheem Morris went really well. And obviously we know the at least the other three with Evero, with Dan Quinn, and with, uh, well, Morris as well, went really well because those are the right now the three guys outside of Saturday that have a second interview scheduled. But we really have not heard anything about how any interview has gone good or bad. Is this, do you think, Jeff Saturday or Jim Mercer pushing the narrative to the national reporters to try to get a feel for, I guess, what would be the national reaction if, if this impossible, horrific move is made of Jeff Saturday, be like, is that what you think it is at this point? Just trying to test the waters out more than actual reporting of Jim Irsay having Jeff Saturday number one. Well, I mean, again, there, there's not a lot there to report. I right, mean, it's right. It is common knowledge, right? I don't even think you need a leak to know that. Um, I think we all heard, you know, very quickly after the hire was made in November that. It was Ursay against the rest of the front office, and he made the choice. Uh, and once you know that, then in Ballard more or less confirmed that in his postseason uh, press conference. So I, at that point, I, you know, I don't know that you even need a leak to be able to say that that Ursay is is you know very enamored with Jeff Saturday. Uh, but definitely, whatever's coming out, whatever leaks there are, it's from one of those two guys or somebody close to him, um, because that's you know that's we know the Ballard side of things been completely locked down. Um, we had heard that Morris had a good interview. That seems to be confirmed by the fact that, that he got a second interview. That's it. You know, either the other interviews didn't go very well, or there's just nothing coming out of there because, and obviously a couple of them did go well because there's other finalists. Right. So, you know, I think we can go with, there's, there's nothing coming out of there. Um, I will say this, you look at the national reporters that are doing this. Most of them are either, currently at ESPN or formerly we're at ESPN. So take for that what, what you will. Um, but, I, you know, right now, I don't know if it's testing the waters. It's, it's possible. You know, I don't know if it's combating the negative narrative. That, that's kind of what I think. Um, you know, the fact that there was so much negativity 
uh, as there's going to be. I mean, he went one and seven. It, it, the negativity right now is just facts. You know right. what I mean? Right. You, you went one and seven. You you had the worst comeback in 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 the history of the NFL. Uh, you had the, one of the, the worst the fourth biggest quarters fourth quarters yeah. in Dallas history. Um, you lost to the worst team in the NFL in the final week. You know, these are just things that happened. They're they're not subjective measures. They're they're objective measures. Um, we heard a lot of excuses after the season for for why those things happened, um, but not. And and I think that's kind of I think the reaction to that is is why these leaks are out there, because they went one and seven and everybody saw that and it was in black and white and it's there for everyone to to deal with as they please. Uh, and then after the season, Jeff Saturday basically came out and said, well, you know, I was in a tough spot, which he was. We all knew that. Uh, but I don't know that, that that went over as well as he had hoped or maybe Jim or had hoped. Uh, the fan base kind of said, "Yeah, tough. You went one and seven. The NFL's hard. You know, this is not this is not a surprise to anybody." Um, so I think that's I think the negativity, especially since the season ended, I think that's what they're trying to combat. You know, you want to get out there and, and, but if that's the goal, it's not working. I mean, you mentioned just a minute yeah. ago there's a petition out there now yeah. uh, with last time I checked over 600 signatures. Um, you know, to to make. Jeff Saturday, not the head coach. When you consider that this is a franchise legend who essentially, if, if he came out tomorrow and said he was withdrawing from the job, would immediately be beloved again by the entire fan base. It just tells you how strong the fan base feels right now. This is a guy that they absolutely cheer for, that they adore, uh, and, and yet they feel so strongly about him not being the head coach that there's a petition that, that continues to grow every day uh, with that goal in mind. I have the petition up right now. So this is, as we're recording this Thursday afternoon, live results, 2,145 signatures. Like I said, for a franchise legend, that is Colts Nation speaking out as the, if they haven't already, because they have been very vocal, everyone. Like, I have not seen an actual Saturday defender. That's a Colts fan that is is truly wants the best of the organization that's come out and said, I want Jeff Saturday. I think I believe in his ability to lead his team going forward and take him to the promised land. It's been, like I said, all negativity. Jim Mercy is the guy and one of the owners that does listen to uh, fans the most. So you think he would be swayed by the just overwhelming onslaught of negativity and pessimism coming his way towards even just the thought, the thought alone of Jeff Saturday being the head coach. When it comes to the national reports, for the most part, because we told, we just kind of like you said, it, it's you can kind of know where it's coming from. It's kind of coming one or two ways. It's either Jim Mercer trying to see what the, what the reaction would be, or it's Jeff Saturday trying to pump his own stock up and trying to make it maybe even make his candidacy not even for the Colts, but for other jobs going forward here, maybe more uh, realistic than it actually is. So I don't really take any of these national reports seriously, to be honest, George. The only thing that will get me concerned it has not happened yet. So no reason for concern now, but if this was happening, that's when I would start hitting the panic button, is this. If candidates start withdrawing their name, because that would at least go to show you that that means probably they've zoned, you know, zoned in on one or two guys. And because really the only two people we hear about is Raheem Morris, just very slightly, most of it's been, you know, Jeff Saturday, you would think that maybe they're withdrawing their names either because they're buying into these national reports or because actually, you know, Chris Ballard's one that's telling them, Unfortunately, Jim Mercer is making the final decision and he can't be swayed. So until we hear Dan Quinn say, thanks, but no thanks. Evero say, 
thanks, but no thanks. Raheem Morris stay as defensive coordinator of the Rams and Brian Callahan turned down a second opportunity for an interview. Like I think until we get to that point, I I don't really, the national reports you hear about Jeff Saturday is just at this point, just water off a duck's back for me. No, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, the, the concern with the national reports is that it, it's very true that, that Ursay loves him. We all know that. And that's, that's right. a legitimate concern um, because it's, it's what his entire candidacy is based on. But I, I agree a hundred percent. As long as you still see, you know, as we're talking right now, Evero's in the building, I believe uh, he's certainly supposed to be there today to do that second interview. As you see these guys come in and take these interviews uh, this will be really interesting because I think even before, you know, the, the sort of onslaught this week of national reports, this was always going to be an interesting part of, of, of this search because, again, Ursay's in the room for the first time. And so if you have guys pulling out now, they're doing that based on, you know, their interaction with the owner. And I think that'll be really interesting to see, you know, how it goes with, with these three guys. And I'm with you 100%. If they stay in it, after this, or we even start getting some leaks from their side, that's what's been amazing to me is that none of these candidates have come out uh, and leaked anything because normally, you know, their agents want to run to the media and say, hey, my guy had a great interview with the Colts. Um, but, you know, I'm sure Chris Ballard has, has kind of told them he'd rather not have that happening. Uh, so I would think leaks around them probably hurt them more than help them at this point. Um because he, you know, he wants to find out. Hey, are you on board? Can you do these things uh, that, that we want you to do? And part of that is not getting your name out in the media right now. Um, I, I do think that that's, you know, that that's going to be uh, a big a big portion of this now as we look forward because Ursi's in the, that room, and so if they start getting the vibe that he's made up his mind and they start pulling out, yeah, that'll be extremely concerning. But the longer they stay in the more the guys who are actually in the room, actually going through the interviews, believe they have a chance, I'll put more stock in that than I will in, in any reports that are out there. Um, I would say one other name that's not been mentioned yet on the on the pod here today that I think could end up being a finalist is Eric Bieniemy. We know he's got ties to, mm. to Chris Ballard. We know he's still coaching as well. So it'll be interesting to see. I would expect a couple more of those to come out Monday uh, once we see you know who doesn't advance. Um, and I think I, you know, the rules are so crazy. I know the Ryan's rule because he didn't talk to him before he can't talk until after the, the 49er season ends. I believe everybody else they talk to. So be enemy Steichen, uh, who else is still alive? Callahan. Callahan. Um, they, I, even if they win, I believe they can come in next week for a okay. second. Interview. That was my next I question. Think. I was going to say. I don't I think know right. that for a fact, but I think they can say they can't be hired, but I think they can come in right. for a second interview. Now, their teams could say, hey, we're going to the Super Bowl and we'd rather not do that. Uh, but you would think Monday and Tuesday in particular on that week, they would be OK with it. I doubt uh, they're, they're going to do a lot of on field you know, work at that point. Uh, and they can, you know, if, say, Brian Callahan, for instance, is coming in, he can watch film on the way to Indy. You know, it's, it's not like he's going to miss a, a whole, you know, right really in, incredibly important day. So we'll see how that turns out. I believe, I believe they can interview next week. Uh, I'm sure that'll be made more clear after we, we get the results on Sunday. Yeah. These rules are not exactly easy to follow, but I think you're right. Cause Demeka Ryan's is the only one that these I've seen where they absolutely cannot talk until the season's over. So I think you're right. Cause they've talked to all these other candidates once already that now, like I said, once, you know, Sunday go, comes and goes, 
I think, like I said, that next week you can uh, can talk. So hopefully that we do get a little bit of speed here uh, going. The last thing I'll say about at least the head coaching search in general, George, is I do want to give Chris Ballard so far, so far, props, because I think he's handled us the right way, where you mentioned the lack of leaks. Again, outside of Raheem Morris, we have not heard anything from actual real sources with how the interviews have gone. Forget, again, everything said about Jeff Saturday. I, I think that's the right approach. And I, I think that I do credit Chris Ballard. I think I like so far how thorough he's been. I have no problem with the amount of candidates. I know that's kind of been a talking point of why the Colts interviewing 12, 13. And if D'Amico Ryan does eventually interview 14 guys at one point, I have no problem with opening it up, trying to get as many different guys in there as possible. Because even if you don't really plan on hiring someone, just talk to them, getting some new perspective, getting a fresh idea about how the team can improve. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing whatsoever. I said, I do really, I think, uh, applaud the fact that so far Chris Ballard has handled this flawlessly in terms of nothing's getting out. It's not been sloppy. There's no, you know, potential candidates here and turning other guys off there. It's been, for the most part, by the book. And I think the, the less you hear, I think the better I feel about how this head coach search is going compared to the other way where Alexa, everything's leaking. It's just a, a free-for-all. I think that would indicate that there's no real control. Because I think Chris right. Ballard, with nothing leaking out, shows he has control, which is the way it should be, compared to other times when you hear, like I said, agents or, or you know people close to the coaches or candidates, you hear leaks out that way. That It's just the wild, wild west. Well, and I think so far it's gone exactly the way Chris Ballard said it would. You know, you go back to that, right. that post-season yeah. presser, and he said it's he's going to be patient. He's going to cast a wide net. He's going to get thorough interviews with all these guys. Uh, and it's, it's exactly what's happened. I think a lot of that, you know, people were kind of wondering – what he meant when he talked about, you know, lessons that he learned from, from the last search that's all centered around Frank Reich. I know a lot of people are wondering if it's Mike Vrabel, if it's Josh McDaniels, he said it when, when they introduced Frank Reich and he said it for years afterwards that when he finally sat down with Frank Reich after Josh McDaniels backed out, he finally sat down with Frank Reich. He was blown away. He felt like Reich was, would have been the best candidate in the first round of interviews had he been in it. And I think that's what he's trying to avoid this time. That's why the, the search is so wide. He felt like last time he didn't cast a wide enough net. And the only way he found the guy that ended up getting the job was by Josh McDaniels backing out. And so that's why you've got 15 guys and, and you know, why it's been the way it's been this time. He wants to make sure that doesn't happen again. And frankly, it's what he should do. I mean, that's, I think that's what you should be hoping would be happening. Uh, if you felt like that as a general manager and he absolutely did the first time around, uh, 100% don't want to let that happen again. Without a doubt. And like I said, I think it's a, a credit to him so far. And uh, fingers crossed that now that, especially the Jim Mercer is involved, I guess, well, this is really the true test, George. This this week, if you want to say it started yesterday or started Wednesday with, with Jeff Saturday's interview and will carry through next week. This next seven days will truly test how much control Chris Ballard has and is able to kind of keep still everything under wraps like he has so far through the first round of interviews, because if, if he's able to corral Jim Irsay, again, I think it's just another sign going forward that there's no Jeff Saturday. Now that should, I will say this, the bar should not be anyone but Jeff Saturday, because still the bar should be trying to get this team in the right place to develop a quarterback and, and get back to Super Bowl contention, Super Bowl level team, not, oh, let's just avoid Jeff Saturday and hire anyone else. So, uh, so far, Chris Ballard, like I said, I like the way he's going about it, but this is truly the biggest test that he will, he will have to go through here and try to manage Jim Mercy and trying to manage, you know, his, his, we can talk about Chris Ballard's at least going in with, with eyes wide open. Fingers crossed. He's able to convince Jim or say, if he's not going to go in eyes wide open, at least one eye open when it comes to everyone else uh, that's not named Jeff Saturday. 
All right, George, let's let's wrap up the uh, the pod by talking about a, a little bit, of, just quickly, our AFC-NFC title games. And one interesting quarterback note that maybe, just maybe, might take one quarterback off the board come April for the Colts. We'll get to that second day and wrap it up. I just want to mention one thing, because we do have the AFC and NFC title games here on Sunday coming up. Chance to go to the Super Bowl, as we know, obviously, Bengals, Chiefs, uh, and Eagles 49ers. If you're a Colts fan, or just even the Colts organization in general, I think you got to look at a blueprint right now of these four teams remaining and how they're built. And it should at least give you a little bit of signs of encouragement that you are not as far away as you actually think. You look at what the Bengals, you know, they were not a laughing stock. They made the playoffs, you know, a good amount under Marvin Lewis. They just couldn't win a damn playoff game. But, you know, when Marvin Lewis is fired towards the tail end, they're in Dalton, not a very good. You get Joe Burrow, you get Jamar Chase. Also, now they are, you know, one of the best, if not the best team in the AFC the last two years. You know, you look at, Obviously, uh, the Eagles, when you get Jalen Hurts, and they were kind of going through a weird transition period with Carson Wentz. And now, obviously, you have, you know, uh, Nick Sierra in there as well. The Colts, we've talked about it a lot. This offseason, how important it is for them, head coach, quarterback. If you get that right, which is a big, we just talked about a lot, the last 40 minutes about, you know, some of the trials and tribulations of, of so far this head coaching search. If, if they get this head coach right now, if they get the quarterback right in April, I you you see what these four teams remain, George. It's not that you're not that far away from contention. You are really not that far away from being in when you have a really good head coach and a really good quarterback. Uh, three out of the four teams are evidence of that. The only team that's not, which ironically the Colts tried to mirror and it failed, was the 49ers. Right? They tried to be basically the AFC version of San Francisco by building everything else around the quarterback and getting the quarterback last. San Francisco, you see, they've executed to perfection for the most part. They hit on the draft picks, for agency, the trades, they have killed it to where now Brock Purdy is in the NFC title game and maybe in the Super Bowl. Colts tried, didn't work, but I think there's a good avenue that the other three teams, again, you get the right head coach, right quarterback, things things turn in a, in a flash here, George. Yeah, I mean, I think we all know that, that Chris Ballard, if he could choose one of these blueprints, it would be San Francisco. Um, I think the whole league probably feels that way. I mean, you go to the NFC championship game with your third string quarterback, uh, you've done something really, really right. Uh, I think everybody probably wants to, to follow that blueprint. Uh, but I think, you know, Kansas City, I think, is the outlier here. You know, they just made a really they, – they're kind of the one team that understood what Patrick Mahomes could be, believed in that, uh, traded up to get him, changed their offense to, to suit him, uh, put, you know, the right pieces around him, and, and they just – they had a plan. They executed it, executed it flawlessly. Uh, but I think the two teams that the Colts can maybe learn the most from – because I think they're not dissimilar in where they're at now and, and where these teams were a couple of years ago are Philadelphia and Cincinnati. I mean, in the Eagles case, you, you fired Doug Peterson. People really didn't know what you were going to do, you know, what, what the next move was going to be. Uh, you were coming off that Super Bowl win. It was incredibly disappointing to fall the way that they did. Uh, and, and you had Jalen Hurts, who was a second-round quarterback, who nobody really knew what to expect from him. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they hired Nick Sirianni and they put the right offense around him, which I think if you look at all of them, that's the biggest key, putting the right quarterback in the right place. Don't put a, you know, square peg in a round hole here, you know, and I, I think that's what all four of them have done outstandingly, but Philadelphia and Kansas city in particular changed those offenses, tailored them around their quarterbacks to give them the best chance of success. And then in Cincinnati, you know, the number one overall pick, which the Colts could, you know, they, they could make a move up there if they want to do that this year uh, and, and got Joe Burrow and then again made those moves. But if you look at where the Bengals were coming into that, Mike Brown was under a lot of fire. You know, oh, yeah. people were saying he's a little crazy. 
People weren't sure what he was going to do with this franchise. Is he cheap? Is he not going to, to pay? Or can they ever really win here? And now they might go to back-to-back Super Bowls. So I think those two franchises, if you look at where they were in, say, 2020-ish, it's not incredibly dissimilar to where the Colts are now. Um, I think the big thing with both of them, though, as, as we look at this coaching search, neither Zach Taylor or Nick Sirianni was a really popular hire when it happened. Both of those guys are like, really, this, this is what we're going to do? You know, but ownership in the front office believed in them and, you know, made the choice based on, on their ability to work with young quarterbacks. Both of them have backed it up. So I think that's, you know, if, if you're not a believer in Evero, you're not a believer in Steichen or Callahan or, you know, Bannemi or whoever may come in here, um, just remember that, you know, Nick Sirianni, I don't know if your first introductory press conference can go much worse than Nick Sirianni's did in Philly. No, you know, so, like, Patience, right? Patience. And it goes back to too, George, to kind of put a bow at least on for the most part, this entire entire conversation has been Jeff Saturday. The I just don't think I can't see how Jim Mercy can actually listen to Jeff Saturday's plan and say, okay, yes, that's something I believe in. Because you're right. All those, you know, Zach Taylor, Nick Sirianni had a plan, executed that plan to that quarterback that they either had at the time or were going to draft and executed it to perfection and built the offense around what that quarterback does really well. What Joe Burrow does really well, they highlighted his strengths. What Jalen Hurts does really well, they highlighted his strengths. Even what Kyle Shannon is doing right now in San Francisco, they have an all-star team, right? But they are still playing to a Brock Purdy does one. Like you said, you're not you're trying to make a, a square peg in a square hole. And for the most part, that means the coaching staff and the offense adjusting to what the quarterback does best. And I just can't see, like, I just don't see a way that Jeff Saturday is going to be able to hire an offense coordinator that's going to be able to adjust to as high of a level as you need to adjust to, to make sure that the transition to Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or Will Levis, or if you want to get crazy Anthony Richardson and make sure that is the best possible offense for them to fit into and have success early on, which again is another reason why we, we've been hammering home for a while about not only no Jeff Saturday, but just the importance of this hire in general, because you're right. You see, if you get it right, it's tough to do. It's not easy to do. If you get it right, you can have results turn around and turn around very, very quickly. I think that's uh, almost perfectly, for the most part, the four teams remaining in the AFC and NFC title games. I think do highlight highlight that, and hopefully send Chris Ballard and especially send Chris, uh, Jim Mersey a reminder of that, and really do a uh, push getting it right. So speaking of quarterbacks, George, let's finish up with this. So the potential quarterback on the Colts board is Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. Very, very, very interestingly, he is skipping the senior bowl. Skipping the senior bowl, which is a big deal, which is, you know, for someone with Chris Ballard who does value the senior bowl a lot, this feels like a missed opportunity. This feels like, at least for, for well, let's go to the Colts, this feels like this could be almost off your board worthy. Would you agree with that? It's a, it's a big, I would think it's a big knock. On, on Chris Ballard's resume, you know, as he's looking at a guy, uh, we know what the senior bowl means to him. I would think this is something, you know, with, with, with Will Levis not taking this opportunity that Chris Ballard will not look kindly upon. It won't be something that it won't be something that moves him up the Colts board. Let's put it that way. Uh, and I think it's, it's an interesting choice all the way around because we keep talking about these four guys who might go in the top 10. I think Mel Kuyper had all four of them going in the top 10. One of the mock drafts recently had all four of them going in the top 10. Levis is the only one who's senior bowl eligible. So he had a chance to go there and have the stage all to himself. 
Nobody else there. It's the first time you really get to meet with NFL teams. They have combine style interviews there that they can go to. You know, they get to watch you practice the entire week, which is huge uh, because, you know, obviously that's that's one of the unknowable parts of this process for, for teams. Uh, their scouts have maybe been at practices, but Chris Ballard hasn't been. You know, whoever the head coach is hasn't been. Uh, I just think it's it's somebody around Will Levis is not giving him really good advice right here because here was a chance to just step center stage on your own. The other three guys, it's not even an option for them, and you turn it down. I, I think it's a bad decision. I'm with you. It doesn't really make much sense because Will Levis is not good enough to skip the senior bowl. Like, you have a guy like Joe Burrow, who at LSU won a national title. Like, it was hands down, he's going number one in Cincinnati. There's nothing, no doubt about it. So, there's really no reason for him to go to the senior bowl because he couldn't, you know, elevate or improve his stock any more than he already did in his final year at LSU. That's not the case here for Will Levis whatsoever. If anything, like you mentioned, George, like he has more questions than answers. There's a lot more inconsistency to his game than consistency. So if you are the Colts you and you are Chris Ballard, you think if you're going to take him number one overall, you feel a whole hell of a lot better, even number four overall, feel a whole hell of a lot better doing so after spending an entire week with him, watching him practice, watching, you know, how he processes, seeing, you know, see it in person, being able to talk to him, you know, and watching in the game. Now that's not the case, you brought up an interesting point. I want to steal your thunder, so I'll let you say it here, but you brought up an interesting theory as to why he is skipping the senior ball. And if you're a Colts fan, it doesn't want Will Levis. I think you might listen or you might like what George has to say. Yeah. I mean, you wondered, did Nick Casario tell him, hey, don't worry. You know, you're going number two, no matter what. You know, you won't fall past us. Or somebody in the draft has told him, you know, don't worry about it. We're coming up for you or whatever. I, I doubt it's the Colts at this point uh, because I don't I don't think they've even begun to look at quarterbacks yet. They're, they're a little busy. I don't know if you've noticed, yeah. but they, they got some other priorities at the moment. So. Um, you know, not and the Texans have coaching search too. So maybe, maybe it's not them as a result of that. Somebody though, in, in this process, to me, that's the only reason you do this. You know, that, that somebody came along and said, if he's doing this based off mock drafts and, and, and things like that, that's a really, really bad decision because, you know, those things, especially right now mean nothing. Uh, teams have not finalized their grades. There, nobody knows who they're going to take right now. I don't care what they tell you. There, there's not a team in the league right now who can tell you with certainty this is our guy in the draft. They haven't gotten nearly far enough into the process to do that. They haven't talked to these guys. They haven't sat down in a room and you know had an interview. So, um, it's it's a it's a really poor decision on on Will Levis's part. That maybe it doesn't affect him because maybe he has been told. Like I said, maybe somebody along the line has said, and Houston makes the most sense because they're the ones that could guarantee him you're not going past number two. Um, aside from that, it's a really, really baffling decision on his part. I think that, I think that there's a lot of merit, to be honest, because I think you're right. Like If if you are told you believe that the Texans are telling you of, hey, worst, you know, we may trip to number one get you, but worst case scenario, if you know we don't get there and, and you know, you're going to go number one, but we're going to take you there and number two, we, we like you a lot. I think you're right because it's – to your point, you would be able to gain a lot. And for someone whose stock, again, is questionable with we know the traits and and physically how imposing he is, but there's so many questions about his accuracy and his decision making and his consistency that you it's he's nowhere near a consensus. There's really no consensus, right? I would say number one, because depending on who you talk to, who, you know, what what mock drafts say, some have Bryce Young, some say CJ Stroud, some do have Will Levis, some have Anthony Richardson. So it is one of these piles where there's no clear cut 
consensus number one guy, you would think Will Levis, like I said, having the advantage that none of the other quarterbacks in the draft have. Um, and even if you want to include Hendon Hooker in this, because, you know, maybe he could have gotten in the mix if he was healthy, but he's not healthy. So he can't play. So he could have helped improve his draft stock more than anyone else right now from between the time the season ends and April. By going to the senior ball, by being in front of coaches, by talking to them, and listen, to, to skip it, he either is getting bad advice or, like I said, someone, maybe the Texans, uh, sitting there at number two telling you, hey, don't worry, you're a guy, we're taking number two. But And almost trying to, like, if you will hide him from not allowing the Colts or the Panthers or the Seahawks or another team to kind of get their hands on him at the Senior Bowl in person and kind of maybe bump his stock up. So I think you're right. I would yeah. probably say this is probably more of the Texans trying to hide him, which, again, take him. If you're Houston, take him. Take him, take him, take him. That is not someone that I would like the Colts to draft, which maybe then if you're Chris Ballard, maybe then all of a sudden either lowers the price a little bit for training up to number one or makes you not as inclined or, again, maybe less less competition, which would then lower the price to go up to number one. Could be a benefit for the Colts all the way around. Yeah, I mean, we do know. I mean, I, I have to mention, we do know that, that there's been reports for a while that there are several teams, whatever that number is, that have Will Levis on the top of their 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 board right now. Uh, but again, you know, those things are fluid. Those boards are not locked in. And that's that's a part of it that's baffling to me. Yeah, there's reports out there that a lot of NFL guys really like him, that the NFL in general is higher on Will Levis than maybe the the general public and the media is right now. Uh, but those those are not written in concrete. There's 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 no way uh, that if you're number one on a board right now that, that you can just solidify that. I think if you went to Senior Bowl, You'd have a chance to add more teams to that list for one thing, you know, go to number one on more teams list and to separate yourself. Cause like you said, there, even the teams that have them, number one, it, there's not a gap. You know, when we just talked to Dame Brugler, there, there's not a real gap between these guys. It, it's not like somebody is, there's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no Andrew Luck in, right. in the mix where, where somebody's just head and shoulders above everyone else. This is an opportunity. You have to stage to yourself. That's the part to me. I, I keep hammering that point home. That's the part to me that that's just baffling because you would think as as a draft prospect that's that's your dream. I'm going to go there and and the other guys can't come and I could talk to all 32 teams and they can watch me practice and it's basically a extended pro day for me. Um, why why would you not? I totally agree. I totally agree. Which hopefully like I said that your theory is correct. And that will help the Colts and just have one less team to worry about swooping in and taking our guy at number one, the Blue Horseshoe official number one quarterback, big board prospect, Bryce Young. All right. Have a great week, everyone. That will do it for us here on this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Enjoy the NFC and NFC title games. Should be a lot of fun here. We'll see who's going to the Super Bowl. And we'll see coming off of that Sunday game, which uh, assistants the Colts are able to talk to and who, uh, if they're, you know, whether it's Tamika Ryan's getting the first interview, whether it's any of the other Shane Syke and Brian Cowan getting a second interview. So a lot of news will come out of Sunday's game Colts-wise. So make sure, again, that's why you got to download, subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. And also check us out on YouTube at Odyssey Sports, where you can watch me and George each and every episode. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.